Just like Rosamund Pike in I Care A Lot, I'm an evil blonde who identifies as a fucking lioness. It's Condé Nasty. I was also the ninth choice for host of this podcast. It's Ursula the Sea Bitch. And this is Reading Drag Race, the show where we talk about whatever we want. But mostly RuPaul's Drag Race. Hi, Ursula. How are you? I'm, I'm good. Uh, you know, it stopped snowing finally. I might leave my house this week. <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny because we have these big piles of snow, but it is just warm enough that some of the sidewalk is like melting away. So it's nice for it to feel human. I took my dog on a long walk yesterday and it was like, oh, it's only a few degrees warmer, but boy, is it a dramatic change in being able to be a functional human being outdoors. Yeah, yeah. Uh, other than that, I I took an edible last night, ordered a ton of Chinese food, and then watched a bunch of haters roast videos on YouTube. And it was a lovely evening, I have to tell you. Your <laughs> evening does not sound very different than my own. Um, I will say we did... We live near a dispensary, but we never go there, and we did recently, yesterday, and it was very funny because I feel like everything is so sparse and spread out, and then you have like a line halfway down the block at the dispensary. <laughs> Priorities, girl. <laughs> I know. Um, this week, we have a very special guest, a good friend of ours, an oblivious Russian. Please welcome Oblivia. Hello. I don't know why I just put Russian on you. I think it's because Hersula always notes that you have about the pop cultural knowledge of a 1980s Russian emigre, and you always say that gives you too much credit. <laughs> it's true, and I mean, it ties into something we'll talk about in the episode this week, but as usual, I'm too oblivious to drop in a good reference and keep that joke going, so we'll just leave it at that. I, I enjoy that. So we are here to discuss and recap RuPaul's Drag Race. Season 13, episode 8. Oblivia, you were here early in this season. What are you thinking of the season as it progresses? What are you thinking right now? I'm really enjoying it. I'm still glad that we got as much time as we did at the beginning of the season to get to know the queens. Like, in any other season, I feel like this would be about the point where I was accustomed to the queens and felt like I knew a little something about all of their drag or at least all the remaining queens drag. Right. But since we got to that point earlier in the season, it's been nice to more focus on the challenges and focus on how, you know, each of their drag and each of their skills sort of reflects in these challenges. It's been a lot of fun. And I really do hope that they keep letting us, know the queens a bit before sending any of them home. I know last week, I, I've listened to your episode last week, and I agree that it definitely wasn't a bad week for Lala Ree, but she was, I loved her, I loved her energy, but I agree that she was kind of beyond her depth with the queens that she was up against in this season, and it was probably her time. Yeah. I also agree that I would love to see her come back for an all-star season or a Redemption Island season or something. Like, okay, Lala, what have you done in these next couple years? Like, how has how have you gotten to the next level? Like, I, I like her. I want to see her at the next level. And I did kind of miss her this week. Like, I missed her energy, but... I get that she was beyond her depth and I'm not mad about the decision to send her home. Yeah, no, I would definitely go to Roscoe's if she was part of a viewing party. Like when when that resumes. Like I do enjoy her as whether or not I thought she was ready to be a strong contender in this competition does not negate the fact that I see star quality in her and will seek her out. So, um, okay. So let's move into this week's episode so we re-enter the workroom, and Utica and the producers decide to paint a very vivid picture of what envy and resentment looks like for a Seventh-day Adventist from Minnesota. Uh, that it, felt so contrived. I felt so real. I just, I feel like I know people like Utica so much. It was, the look was, this does not compute. She gets real quiet and starts issuing inaudible compliments. It looks like her circuits are about to start shorting. Like, it was so funny to me and it was also so culturally accurate like she can't process feelings of envy or resentment they're both against her 
religion and her, like the cultural milieu in which she was raised. I loved it. Okay, the part in the the part in the workroom felt real. The part in the the part in the confessional booth is what I thought felt. Oh, you fun. know they right asked so many questions. The part in the workroom. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. The the moment for me was when it's like, oh, Utica's so nice. Oh, you want something shady? Look at her hairline. Oh my god. I okay, because it was perfect because <laughs> it's that kind of joke where it's like, oh no, she's deadly serious, but has to like package it as a joke for her own self image. And it was so perfect. It was like that was just like a little bit of her core actual emotional state bubbling through despite herself, and it was hilarious. <laughs> it was so funny. Anyways, so Rue comes in to announce the main challenge, social media, the Rusical. I've got to say, I heard some, like, odd, it's odd, I heard some sort of mixed reaction to this. To me, this felt very appropriate, especially given the overarching Be Nice theme of this season. Um, I feel like the Farmer Rusical was the most out-of-nowhere bizarro musical choice, this, like, made perfect sense. Yeah, I think this landed as one of the better musicals. Maybe not as good as, like, the Madonna one or the first one about Rue, but really pretty good, actually. Yeah, no, and a good... I think it's a good choice, especially given that they're making such a point to be like, don't be assholes on the internet, people, to the fans this season. That's, like, the theme uh, that I thought it was well-chosen. Can we talk about the audition? Can well, we... I was just about to say, we have the queen sitting down to divvy up roles. I liked seeing Utica putting her foot down in her own way. I loved Gottmik, Gottmik and Olivia overreacting to the tension like they were watching a movie instead of in the room. It was very funny to me. Um, I loved that Elliot suggested that they audition and Utica says quietly to her, I feel like you caused all this drama. Oh no, I love it. Um... <laughs> And I'm going to say this about making the girls audition. I think that was the right choice. Olivia said they had a lot of nerve. I would also do that and maybe think nothing of, and think nothing of it. So, like, maybe I should be looking inward. But um, what did you guys think of the audition moment? Having an audition in the workroom, it was, it was delightful. I enjoyed watching it. It was absolutely the right call because... How I mean, how else were they going? How else were they going to solve it? I don't think either of I don't think either Rose or Denali was going to move an inch about doing that, especially when the other role that thank you I thought Denali it was, was the interested right in Utica wanted and I think rightfully grabbed, especially after seeding her role last week. Yeah. So it was the right call. Denali was okay. Rosé knocked it out of the freaking park, and it went the way it was supposed to go. Yeah, I, I agree. It was delightful to watch. It, it's like this is the reality show nonsense I I love. Like normal, like every. But see, to me, this isn't even nonsense. Like this is like, what do you do when you're divvying up roles? You audition. Like your high school play. Did people audition? They auditioned. These girls both really want this star role. One of whom is literally a professional singer who sings the song that this song is a parody of all the time and is a professional singer. So, like, good for you for the big dick energy, Denali, for, like, holding your own. But, like, that's this is what you should do. Oh, I mean, high school This, to me, was, like, less bullshitty than, like, the manufactured drama that Candy creates. I mean, the difference between this and the high school play is that in this... The queen who should have gotten the part got the part. In the high school play, you auditioned and the drama teacher picked her favorite. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I don't recall auditions being real dis- uh, decisive in, in the high school productions with the scandal. I went to the high school that Glee was based on, so I will say that it was a lot. Um, oh, you poor, but it was you poor in some way a materis- <laughs> meritocracy. Um, all right, so next the queens have a special guest workroom appearance via Zoom from Anne Hathaway. I do find her likable but annoying. She, Speaking of high school, she has big student council try-hard energy, but I thought she gave some great advice, and I thought Gottmilk did a good job of working to get Denali's head back in the game. What did you guys think of that whole you know, thing? I, I loved it, but for a second I was like, oh, are we not annoyed by Anne Hathaway now? Is that is that is that part of the cycle over? 
because you know you, you can't have a woman want something and visibly go after it that's not that doesn't that's against the rules so she worked for gay the gay men Oscar. too honey gay yeah, men fair, too fair those enough. rules apply to misogyny applies to everybody but straight white men it seems yeah so, so yeah like she got her oscar and now we're all going to be over her because she got her oscar and she clearly wanted it which hey she wanted an oscar she got an oscar respect um and she was good like i she had good actual advice for a working performer um i i like I loved the little light bulb moment for Denali where it's like, yeah, don't make an accent a place, make it a person. Do you, a professional ice skater, know any Russians? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, funny. that was that was very funny. That whole like light bulb moment was hilarious. It actually reminded me of an interview I saw with Kate Winslet about playing Steve Jobs' assistant, who was like a Polish immigrant to the US who had like a real staccato fast and slow pacing to the way that she spoke where it wasn't even just about the accent but the pacing um but it was like don't think of a nationality think of a person you know and try to embody them um that was great advice i feel like with anne hathaway i'm always gonna find her a little annoying but also like and respect her oh yeah yeah. i'm not gonna not see a movie because she's oh yeah princess diaries and devil wears prada too epic movies in the in the gay canon i think a lot of gay boys at, at d- different ages uh but love the fuck out of those movies um i i, I like watching denali do the little axel that was cute um it was like oh look validation you you clearly needed some and i'm glad she got it <laughs> me too <laughs> the one thing that stuck in my craw a bit about the anne hathaway thing was when anne hathaway brought up rue kind of widening the lane of what could be entertainment and then the camera cut straight to Gottmik and all I could think of was I'm glad the lane of who RuPaul was going to allow on Drag Race and who the show admitted could do drag has widened to include transgender people has widened to include you know trans men has hopefully widened to include trans women as well but it's like I'm glad the lane has widened but Rue was slow there and kind of having that and then having the audacity to cut to got Mick like just felt really trying to paper over past problems for me in a way that felt uncomfortable yeah that that was like the hammiest moment that felt most like the canned Oscar speech uh of of the of the conversation i will agree um but yeah overall i think it was still a fun call and honestly i wouldn't mind having overall it was great i I wouldn't mind having her back as an in-person like true guest judge once it's you know safe um i think she'd probably be a lot of fun i agree so moving on to the recordings what were your thoughts on the recordings either of you Frankly, you're both singers and I'm not, so I'm like, um, discuss, please. Well, good job for Olivia doing an actual run. Okay, you want to get technical about singing? Here's something that annoys the fuck out of me. When you watch, like, the American Idol audition and that poor girl's just doing, like, a riff constantly, it's because she can't hold the note. Melismas are ketchup. They are not the fries. It drives me up a wall that modern pop music is basically substituting all flourish for no sorry i'm a 400 year old man i i apologize um oh preach though i am right there with you as far as put some melisma on it does not make you a good right. singer. so that being said no, no, the no. people we knew to be good singers were good singers the people we knew to not be good singers were not good singers i do like seeing michelle um actually like do this kind of work a lot on the show because something like even the queens that get into fights with her on the main stage in interviews about her like on tour and stuff are like she is the nicest person she is the motheriest mom she is a consummate professional who will work a thousand hours a week like everyone loves michelle visage in real life in part because she seems like a practice professional who can incisively help someone who's willing to accept it so i like seeing the audition this kind of stuff uh just to like drive that home that michelle is a singer uh randomly uh, i think it was um it was Trixie on this week's uh, Pit Stop said, go listen to Michelle Visage sing Oh Holy Night. And oh, holy fuck. It's a good, she's a good singer. <laughs> I love it. I feel like you're the, the one of three gays who did that, but I, I applaud you. I think my, I, I think my 
favorite and by favorite i mean just the thing that stuck in my head most as a oh ha moment was tina burner was talking about olivia and says that whole thing about oh there's a diva hiding in there it's like that ain't yeah, hiding, I don't think she's Tina. hiding. Yeah. You just haven't been paying attention. I agree. I feel like Olivia is clearly a diva, but she's able to do it in a very like soft touch way, which honestly, that's the most expert way to do it. To me, yes. the fact that she's able to always be it while keeping it subtle and understated shows what a professional at being a diva she is. I'm just saying. Oh, agreed. Agreed. Uh, she reminds me of, from Agatha Christie's The Man in the Brown Suit, uh, oh my god, Suzanne Blair, the protagonist's friend, who is just, like, iconically a high society woman who just, like, soft touches her way into literally everything she wants. And you, it's fabulous. You know that it's, it's a week after Valentine's Day, which you got me the gift, a deep cut Agatha Christie reference. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, do, would you agree? I know you've yeah, no, I see it. I, I see it. Absolutely. Oh my God. Yeah, totally. I love it. Right? Anyways, so that's it, I think, for the singing, unless there's anything else you wanted to say, Hersla. All right. So we move on to the da- dance rehearsal. And my big takeaway, as always, is that Jamal Sims would be an unforgettably understanding, present, and tender lover who I would cherish and cherish my body. Um, But it was a cute little segment. Simone seemed to really struggle with walking and hitting marks, which surprised me because I feel like she struts with the best of them, usually. Can I go full-on conspiracy nut for just a moment? Sure. Do you think... Do you remember in UK season one when when the Vivian had her one fuck-up? And it was on a thing we later saw her do very well. And we, like, do you think she was underselling her dance ability? Like, I, I don't really think this, but I did sit there thinking it in the moment of, like, she's she can walk with attitude. We've seen it happen. It was weird that she was that stumbly. Do you think this was, like, the calculated I'm not perfect moment? No, I don't. Neither do I, I really, do think- but I did... I it. It, it was so weird, it was so discordant that it made me think something else for a moment must be going on. Well, I feel like there's a difference between, like, going out there and having swag and it being a choreographed dance. Yeah. And I think you can have all the swag in the world, but if you're not a dancer and you're a little overwhelmed even by the trappings of dance it's a whole different ball game in your head i mean yeah i can and and i say this as someone who's not just a not dancer but also just very intimidated by things couched as dance i've been in a couple musical theater classes with hersula before and even though obviously the choreography that we're doing in musical theater classes is not quite as demanding as some of the stuff they ask you for on Drag Race. Whenever we do the dance, I'm always just overwhelmed. And I get it and I learn it, but it's so different than if I'm being asked to sing or if I'm being asked to do public speaking, you know, stuff that I'm a lot more comfortable with. It's a whole different headspace. I did also feel like the way that Jamal wanted this done was sort of walking in a way where each step would sort of, or it'd be a couple steps here and it would sort of be a pose, like you're supposed to hit hard. And she was bouncing, like she's a little lighter in her loafers, so to speak, than I think the what was being asked. And I think sometimes when it's something so automatic, like you need to walk as part of this dance, but you need to walk different than you normally walk it is hard to like change that very instinctive behavior. And it kind of seemed like she was in her head and it was about that, but that's me. I mean, I don't know. It did seem like a little, like it's surprising that something this simple is throwing you off this much, but I do think that that happens in real life. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. My takeaways for the, uh, for the rehearsal sequence were one, uh, I love Jamal's shirt. Uh, I, I like a little decolletage. It would really made my evening. Man has a very nice chest. Um, and then when he made the Free Your Mind uh, and Vogue reference, I thought to myself, that song is probably Don't. older. Don't. <laughs> Go ahead. 
Go ahead. No, let, 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 we have to face it someday. Someday, Condé Nasty, we do. That song is older than the Queens on the stage. Yeah, that, I mean many of them. That was many. So, Not Tina Burner. <laughs> right. Not Tina Burner. Uh, but but oh my God, that it was just like like he had to ask like Are you familiar? Are you familiar with it, with this group? Oh my God. No, I'm, again, I'm a 400 year old man, and that's just what's it's what I am. Yeah. I just. The, the one thing that's... The, the other thing, I guess, that stuck with me with the dance bit was just... I I did not envy Got Mick in the least. Like, I was so excited for her and the role just because... Got Mick seemed legitimately excited about, oh, I'm gonna have my Russian bot moment. And that was charming. And then realizing that, oh no... I have to do a dance sequence with Denali, who's a total dancer, and I'm not a total dancer. And we'll get to how that turned out in the Rusical when we get to the Rusical, but I was watching their entire sequence of the dance bit just nervous as all get out for Gottmik and understanding why that would be a very overwhelming thing to have to do a dance pair with someone who is a lot more of a dancer and a lot more comfortable with dancing. Yes. But I do feel like, you know, she rose to the challenge, which we'll get oh, yeah. to. We'll get to. She definitely did. All right. Uh, my thoughts on the mirror moment were my takeaway was the story Candy told was slightly funny, but mostly people are assholes on social media. Don't be a, an asshole on social media. Also, Tina dated Graham Norton, which I feel like the oh internet my God. figured out a while ago. The hair. The hair. Oh, yeah. Very, <laughs> very Backstreet Boys. Oh, my God. Very Backstreet Boys. Very Backstreet Boys hair. I, and that's it for me yeah. on that. What yeah. about you two? No, I'm, right. st- I'm, still, I'm still emotionally... Uh, Unable to even because of the because of those the nineties hair. Oh my god, it was so bad. <laughs> All right, social media, the Rusical. I've got to say, Tina was the perfect MC and did a great job and was present and in character the whole time. I think there was literally a moment at the end where she dropped to the ground in a corset after performing the whole thing, and her body for a moment said, I need oxygen more than I need you to keep doing this lip sync. She could have done more with the death scene, but I feel like we got an A performance from Tina Burner yeah, my, in this my role. Yeah, my only critiques for Tina was, um, I wasn't a huge fan of this outfit. Me what, neither, what, it was too minimal. Well, it's like, if you want to do the Liza Cabaret outfit, then that was those were like boy shorts. Like, that was like a top and short shorts. I, you wouldn't go full pants, it's too much black. And the way she was acting was more ringmaster than MC. And I think this would have been one of the few times where her default style of clown drag actually would have served the part. I agree. Except for that. I I wanted it to be bigger, especially in the costume. Yeah. But she did the thing. Oh, no. She did the damn thing. Like, yeah. If you only used the things I... If you only listened to my words on this podcast, you would think I really dislike Tina Burner personally. And it's more just, I don't like her color palette and she sticks to it too religiously. She is a good performer. And I imagine you'd have to be to date Graham Norton. I imagine that relationship just sounds like Aaron Sorkin wrote it. You know, just just constant back and forth with the quips. I Um, actually think he would also be an unforgettable lover, but because he would not know when it was like time to stop trying to make you laugh in bed. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's an image um but yeah i i just wanted more from this outfit because here's the thing it, they, they there was like the one liza joke right at the end otherwise the fact that she was dressed like liza didn't really come up and it's like if you want to do liza i'm gonna say tina burner you should do late 90s drunkenly marrying a gay man liza like do do now liza and i think that would have been something she could have pulled off and would have like like drunken blousy Liza Minnelli, I think, would have made a more fun ringleader than this kind of, like, yeah, this outfit just felt a little too generic. I think it was the right, like, lane. It was just not dragified enough. Yeah. Speaking of not dragified enough, um, I liked Olivia's performance, and I understand why she was wearing a gray tank top, because it's supposed to be Mark Zuckerberg, who, you know, like all straight men, doesn't care about dressing themselves. 
but it looked un- did it look unfinished to anyone else like i looked at oh this- absolutely it was an amateur move drag queens wear synthetic materials for a reason mama there's a reason she had visible sweat stains at the end like i get why but also no thank you we didn't need it. The hair was enough to tie in visually the idea of Facebook and the characterization, like unnecessary. Thank you. I've... Yeah, I liked the, I, I I liked the I liked the pants. The pants, the, the pants were there, and that is very tech guru. The top, exactly. Just I don't know. Even if it were just kind of a like a button down or a polo shirt or something, like you could do tech bro without and. You know, I say you could do tech bro without a gray tank top t-shirt, but gray tank top t-shirt isn't super tech bro to me. And it isn't. I agree. The wig really, the, the wig tied it into Facebook. I loved the wig. I loved that touch. But the rest of the outfit wasn't really landing. Yeah. Um, for me, Rosé did kill it, but I fucking hated what she was wearing. I hated that the panties were, like, visible the whole time. It distracted me the whole time. I also hated that she paired animal print with both pink and red. You're not Trixie and Katya, one or the other. I get the sight gag of it, but if they're riding up the whole time, it doesn't work. And it's just... It was so distracting. I I irrationally really hated what she was wearing. I, um, I think it suffered because it was the least specific. Like, everyone else was playing a very specific character related to Don't it. give her excuses, but go on. <laughs> I, ser- oh, no. I, the- I think, like, preach, 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 Ursula, preach. I had the same problem with Rosé's character, and that wasn't Rosé's fault. That was, that was in the writing, and... Rosé killed it with what she was it's, giving. It's so funny. The, the woman did one Scottish accent, and I'm a stan. Oh. You're an Anglophile. I'm rolling my eyes on behalf of all of your relatives in their cap, in their graves right now. Anyway, she everyone else had a platform and a character, whereas hers was just... Like, even to the extent it's like an archetype, it's not specific enough. She, I will say, this is actually the thing I liked most about the, this particular musical, is I thought the general writing was better, and I kind of like the through line of all... Like, there's a very real phenomena in technolo- inter- the internet generally, and technology more broadly, in which queer people and sex workers invent test and validate a new tech and once they make it popular and stable enough corporations uh crowd them out like uh sex workers are why we have uh vhs tapes over betamax they're why we have the ability to do webcam they were the first people who test used a webcam at you know 480p and 12 frames a minute um they're the reason they were the first people to test online credit card uh, payments because they were the only ones willing to roll the dice on something that complicated and specifically for social media all of them uh start as uh spaces for queer people or sex workers who the minute they get popular enough to get bought by a bigger company get kicked off instagram did it tumblr did it uh kickstarter patreon one of them did it like it's it's so funny. It's like at some point I assume OnlyFans will do it. It's it, so I did like that because it actually gave the the humor a little bit of bite because they work and and in addition to like the don't be an asshole on social media, it really did feel like it was acknowledging something about 21st century technology, which is it crowds out queer people once it becomes popular. I, I did a project on that in business school. That is all true. There is like a whole the sex sex work and pornography industries have advanced many technologies and the VHS thing. Many people for a long time did not understand how VHS won over Betamax. It was entirely because of the adult film industry that suddenly all these dads happened to buy a VHS. Like, a VHS player. Like, that's why. I'll, I'll give you that. That, that, that is a good point. Um, Alright, so what other performances stood out to you? Um, the two that... The, the two that stood out to me... I mean, they were... It was fun. I just go back to the general idea of this is one of the better, more fun, more engaging rusicals that we've had in a long time. Elliot surprised me just because I didn't know what to expect after the singing and dancing rehearsals. But I was really... She was a surprise highlight for me. Singing may not be her total forte, but the dancing and just 
you know, the colors, the character, the immersion into the role of the, you know, Gen Z TikTok queen. The dragging of Billie Eilish and the, like, whisper singing. I was really, it really did it for me. I I really really liked it. I enjoyed that. I really liked it, but I was sure Rue wouldn't get it and Elliot would end up in the bottom. I was certain. I have to say, all my calls for tops and bottoms this week were, like, way off. Yeah. But I enjoyed it a lot, too. I liked Elliot's performance. I thought the flashlight thing was not as effective on screen as it may have been in person, but that's a tiny... That's not Elliot's fault yeah. by any stretch. Yeah. Um, I did feel about a billion while watching that bit, because I'm like, uh, I don't know... En- like, I felt very... It's like, oh, the references, they're, they're moving past me. I'm- <laughs> See, I feel like I check in, and then I'm like, this isn't for me. I feel like I pay enough attention to know, like, this du- this music does nothing for me, and I'm out. <laughs> On other other things, I felt like Candy, that wig was an amateur move, because that was gonna get in your face yeah. while you were on the ground. That was the kind of thing where it was like, that's such just, like, for a drag queen. I get that it has the profesh, like, lesbian HR profesh cliche that's become rampant on Drag Race for these kinds of things. That wig is right, but it doesn't work if you're doing that kind of dancing. Um, and I'm gonna say this about Simone. She wasn't actually that bad. I do think this. she has a piercing gaze, which is a lot of her star quality and stage presence. And I think wearing those sunglasses during her performance and being a little uncertain of some of the steps really, like, cut her at the knees. Yeah. Oh, just going back to Candy's, I, I hated it. I thought it was a mess from beginning to end. The... Out, like the outfit looked sloppy, the dancing looked sloppy, just nothing was working. Like I wasn't expecting grace, but I got like it reminded me of me trying to dance, and that ain't a good thing. Okay. Well, it was like at one point it looked like she intentionally opened her shirt, but then she kept trying to like hold it closed, and I was like. Wh- oh, I saw that, and I didn't get that either. Yeah, which was the- I thought that was like a playful modesty thing. It looked, it did, it didn't land. Um, it looked like, oh my goodness, my outfit is falling apart while I'm trying yeah, to dance. Yeah. And I mean, at least it wasn't made of bags glued to a bodysuit, but uh, no, it just looked really sloppy. Uh, but yeah, oh, and I'll say for, for Simone, it's one of those, I think she was a bit of a victim of expectations. It's one of those, her performance was not bad. It just was it, in almost any other season, that would be a pretty middle of the road performance, maybe toward the bottom of the middle. But I don't think it like it was just I she she hit most of her marks, but not the ones that mattered where it needed to really be like yeah. striking a pose. And when she went back to her thing, she like ran to it in a way that looked like not yeah. poised. It just I disagree. I think without her gaze. The thing is, everybody else did well. It's not like it was terrible. It just wasn't good enough. Yeah, and yeah. I think, like, if she had taken those sunglasses off, I think she would have honestly had the confidence to look the judges in her eye and strutted when she struck a pose at the end of some of those points. And she didn't. And those were the marks that she really had to hit. And those are, those are the ones she missed. So, yeah. I, like, I get it. Um, for me, the Russians killed it they like the whole tone on stage changed yeah. and really like livened up they pulled the whole thing up immediately they sold the fuck out of it i loved the rocky and bowwinkle hair on denali i felt like they were doing two different russian women cliches that were like caricature cartoons but like paired well together but then we're also kind of doing something different together and and the mu- the musical instruments I thought were great props. Like Me too. I wasn't, I, I was I was expecting just because it had been mentioned before, you know, some kind of punkish aesthetic. Because they didn't rehearse with the instruments, I wasn't expecting that they'd go full on with instruments. But they really worked to help sell an act that, oh, it one hundred and fifty percent landed, and I loved every minute that Gottmik and Denali were out. Yeah, and Denali had a great energy. She, like, that conversation with Anne Hathaway apparently did a world of good. She wasn't, like, holding back or resentful or weird. Like, she, it worked. Yeah, and they they had distinct characters, which, you know, given how much they had to work with, is pretty impressive. Like... Yeah, they had they had distinct characters that actually landed. Yeah. Completely. They were distinct characters, but they both fell... 
they, they, they both fell squarely under the umbrella of the whole like Russian bot Russian thing. bot slash yeah. punk rock aesthetic that they were supposed to yeah. be going for. And it got was... Mick used those cheekbones and some squinting to give like the most severe Melania pissed off moment. Yes. Like it was so well done. So well done. And you know, I'm always here for a keytar, so Famously. We're gonna put it on your tombstone. Yeah. Uh, th- that's what my tombstone will be. A keytar carved of obsidian. So, the end of the musical, I, I, I'm not a huge Les Mis fan, but I did clock a very obvious Les Mis reference and, and giggled a little. I liked the Chicago tie-in with the cell phones. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was Yeah, that, that was, was delightful. Yeah. I think she should have been MySpace instead of Friendster. I think that joke would have landed better. I agree. I just think, the thing with MySpace, even though I agree for the bit it would have worked... From a from a pedantic perspective, I appreciated it being Friendster because Friendster was so decidedly before Facebook. Whereas even though Facebook is the one that survived, Facebook still existed even before. Like I don't think it predated MySpace, but I know it existed before MySpace got big. Like I I was really into MySpace for a while. I had a Facebook before I had a MySpace. Whereas Friendster was decidedly before gotcha. that. Friendster was very like 0203. Facebook started in 04. MySpace really got huge more like 0506, which was when Facebook was still college. Right, you campuses. still you still needed a .edu email. So, I think that's it for the rusical. Are we ready to take it to the runway? We start the runway. I'd like you to know Olivia did go second, but I love that Olivia Lux came out and served You Could Never Be Glamour. Um, it didn't, it wasn't like anything else on this runway. It wasn't exceptional or special. It did just reiterate for the thousandth time that Olivia just has star quality and can sell anything. Like we just like her. Um, it was very old Hollywood glam. I liked it. Um, I will say Tina Burner for me, we've, you've said we can, you know, since Trixie said it, I think we've been quoting the. Tina Burner's looks are like camp without the fun. I did feel, as much as I hate like a boob gag, I did feel that this week Tina Burner's look was camp with the fun. Yeah. It was one of my favorites of her looks, yeah. which is like kind of a low bar for me, unfortunately, but yeah. still. Oh no, my only problem with Tina Burner's look is the wig. I still don't like her wigs, and I'm like, get get your wigs right with the Lord, Tina Burner. Just... Um, it made sense for this look, and I feel like amongst her wigs, it's better. Well, it was just the ba- it was the bangs. It, it was like the there was like a better hairline in there, but um, but yeah. Other than that, like the the headlights joke landed. I, the, the 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 license plate on the butt landed less for me. But you're right. I, like I'm not above a little boob humor. Boob is a fun word to say. Boob. See, hilarious. Boob. <laughs> um, I boob. I agree with you on Olivia. She looked fucking amazing she just it like i want to have like a glossy poster of her in my like a like i don't know the room where i keep my piano or something just just like a she she does do old hollywood glamour with such energy that it's uh you know she's beautiful and i love looking at her um all right uh i liked candy's beyonce homage i feel like the internet was like unoriginal but it was fine (laughs) like face oblivia is making (laughs) It was fine. It wasn't good. It was like, it was cute. It was serviceable for this runway. It didn't blow me away or anything. It was cute, but it just, it drove me up a wall. Because until Candy said it was a recreation or an interpretation of Beyonce's lemonade look, I was really only getting, oh, la la la, yellow flower child. And then I looked up Beyonce's lemonade look just to refresh my memory, and I still think it was just some basic flower child malarkey. And I thought it was it was so boring that I hated it even more. Like I just could not get behind Candy's runway look at all. Like it was no one's gonna make it. It was cute, but she was it was cute, I guess. But she was trying to do. She was either trying to do something that didn't land or trying to pass off a a bunch of ruffles and some flowers in her hair as something way more than it actually was. And it only made me hate it even more. I like the dress fine. It was the the, the flowers in the hair felt a little slapdash, but that's my only real critique. Okay. 
I did not like Simone's look because I'm not crazy about boy chest and drag when it's so... Like, Drag Race tries to be, like, we're gonna wink at acknowledging alternative and, like, uh, transgressive art forms in drag, but it is, in many ways, it is just a pageant. Like, it, it is, it's narrower, and I feel like this isn't, like, Simone doing something gender fuck. This is, like, sometimes the skinniest gays can do drag without padding, and for me, this is, like, too, this is boy chest, what are we doing here? I didn't. People seem to really like this look. I did not. I think it was one she sold it. Like the like this was what was missing from her musical performance. Like even if you even if this isn't your favorite look, the way she in, embodied it, I think sells it when you're looking at it. That's exactly it. I I didn't love the look. It didn't really speak to me. Like some you know like some some of the looks along the way. Even some of her looks along the way. But Simone sold the heck out of it, and it made me like it more than I otherwise would have. Okay, I thought Rosé did a good job doing this reference. I'm not the biggest Jim Carrey or The Mask fan. It was also the kind of thing where it's like, it's a warmer yellow. You could call it a marigold. Like, but it's still reasonably within the yellow spectrum. This is the kind of moment where with Michelle Visage, I'm like, I literally want to strangle you. It's obviously a color that's somewhere between yellow and orange. Well, here, it's not like she came out here in purple. What the fuck is your problem? Right, like, cause here's the thing. Say, let's say the challenge... It's, it's like, let's pretend in an alternate universe, category is orange, you're glad I didn't say banana. And she walks out in this and says it's orange. Michelle's going to say that's yellow. I agree. And here's the thing. And here's my real technical artsy-fartsy interpretation of this. It needs to be a warmer yellow because if she if she were wearing like I'm looking at the picture now, and she's standing next to Gottmik and Denali, if she were wearing either of the shades of yellow that those two wore, it would make the the mask part bleed. It would just it would look like a smear from too similar a color. Right. You need the warmer orange to offset the cooler blue in the green because when she actually walked out, it was like her face was like floating a little above her body because of the way colors layer over each other. So this is actually the correct color balance to and like you can even see in the picture, it's very well done. Yeah, like she has like a little bit of very, like true yellow trim uh, just under the neck and like looks like the pockets are lined with it. So you can see, yeah, it is a warmer yellow, but it's still at worst like a marigold or a yellow orange. We're not even into orange yellow, Michelle Visage. Thank you. Uh, oh, I <laughs> loved I loved that outfit. It was a really it was yellow. I agree, it's warmer, but it's definitely yellow. It was a really fun homage to the mask. I liked the fact that there were, you know, with the lapel and on the skirt, like the little spots as the homage to the spots kind of in the shirt tie area and what Jim Carrey was wearing in the movie. It was just, it had, it was a great 90s homage, but still felt like it was something new and modern as the outfit. Like I was... I was here for Rosé's. Like, there were two runways that I really loved, and that was one of and them. I gotta say, I think Rosé was so happy um, with it and was having such a good time doing it that that also elevated. I think one of our complaints for Rosé is that she's such a polished professional that that connection can be a little lacking or that, like, real primary fire. And I'm like... Like, hey, to each their own. This is this is what got her out of bed this morning, excited to do drag. And yeah, I find Jim Carrey to be a lot too and have for many years now. But like you were having so much fun. Like, you know what? If you take the mask in isolation from the rest of the movies he made after, mask is actually pretty funny. It's just that it presages, you know, 20 years of the same shrieking. Um, but yeah, Rosé loved it so much that I loved it for her. Yeah. Got Mix was so perfectly done, I have almost nothing to say about it. I loved Got Mix. That's the other one that I just really dug. Like, it, the, the crash test dummy bit looked cool. Whatever illusion that, just the way that it was constructed, like with the black and the yellow, actually made Got Mix look like she had discreet, dummy parts put together yeah. just the way it looked under the lighting 
The only thing that would have made it better is if during the commentary, one of the judges would have looked at her and gone, mm-mm-mm-mm. Did you just make a Crash Test Dummies reference? Oh yes, yes, I did. The, the one thing ah. I can depend on you for, uh, 90s musical references. Thank you. It's, it's a little dependability here in a chaotic and ever-changing world. Some things never change. I will also say on Got Mix, look, how dare that fucking bitch still manage to look beautiful in the face yeah when in this crash test dummy drag like how dare she it was funny that this is the third time that we've seen a look that is like a very similar well fourth if you count the two taxis because it was simone and olivia's boxers uh candy's and olivia's use of a very similar wig and now denali did a crash test dummy and gottmik did a crash test dummy are they all on the same message boards like it's it's happening a lot this season that people seem to be bringing looks that are similar. Are similar. I will yeah. say, Gottmik, I I love Denali. I, I I really appreciate Denali on a number of ways, but this Crash Dummy was better. Yeah, I wasn't crazy about Denali's look this week. For me, the headpiece was kind of too crazy that you couldn't really make sense of it. I do think a Python print is a fun response to a yellow runway challenge. It was like. Fine, but I didn't love it. I wanted I wanted to tweak this, um, and I think it would have been stronger. I think I understand snakes. Pro- like, what color eyes do snakes have? Like, I almost think yellow contacts would have served, or even green or something, because the red pulled it. All- like, my focus was on the contacts more than the headpiece for a minute, and I didn't like the way she interpreted. Like, I get what she was going for with the cape that it was supposed to... Or, like, the arm shawl thing where it was supposed to be more like a snake um, than a true cape. But I think it actually would have worked better with something a little more substantial. Yeah, I looked up... I Denali mentioned in the little blurb, and, oh, did I appreciate the blurbs because there were just certain references that I wasn't going to get. And they were nice enough to bring those up for me so I could at least... Google what the heck was going on because Oblivia gonna Oblivia. I had no idea who Princess Python was. I looked her up and the the shape of the outfit, the construction of the outfit, what the cape was doing was true to Princess Python. And thing is though, it just didn't excite me. Certainly the most fun part for me was the headpiece. But I feel like the headpiece even lost a little bit of the fantasy when she turned around to leave the runway and there was just kind of the middle of the back of the head, there were no more snakes. And perhaps that was a question of just logistics of getting it even on her head, but it would have been nice if there was something over the big gap in the snakes on the back of her head. Yeah, no, valid. I just... I feel like I like the concept, but the headpiece is like kind of too busy, but also not enough. If that makes sense, mm. like this might photograph better than it runways. If that makes sense, like I think in like yeah. a like a headshot editorial, I think something that big, dramatic, and busy would probably look really stunning. I also want okay. her to have softer eye makeup again. Like I and again, I get what she's going for, but. Like, even looking at the picture, it just... Her eyes are, like, empty sockets right now because it's so, it got so dark and there was, like, there was, like, blue in there. It was so... It just combined in a... Like, she does a really... Not, like, harsh is the word I'm looking for, but it's a very, like, heavy eye. And, like... She's been doing a lot of costumey things, particularly with how she's been... And she's been emphasizing with how she's been doing things around her eye. And I do think... That if, like, truly, this is the point in the competition where she came out just very pretty with a pretty beat for some of the runways, yeah. we would be very, like, <gasps> but, say lovey. What did you think of Utica's look? Oh, I can't believe we almost didn't talk about this. I loved Utica's look. Shocking both of you, I'm sure. I loved it in many ways. I did not love all of the fabric choices for the skirt. But I, I, did. I otherwise loved it. Yeah, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, category is wife of Henry VIII. I loved this look. I loved the idea of this look. I think Utica was even giving a little bit of what they were asking for. When she came out for most of the run, like, she get, she was goofing around less. So she was still yeah, herself. Substantially less. Yeah. And it worked because it is. It did. Like, I was like, ooh, you're going with yellow 
for a person from Minnesota, that's going to make them look dead. And she found a way. I, I, I actually really appreciate Yuka's look because doing all the tartans and patterns where yellow's the predominant but not the only color really helped cut what could have made her pale, pale complexion look very, very jaundiced. Um, <laughs> and I think she really nailed that. So Yeah, no, it was fun. So the tops and the bottoms. This week, the tops are the Russians, Denali and Gottmik, and Rosé. And Rosé takes it. Do you, do you guys agree with that? Yeah. Me too. I did think Utica might be in the top three yeah. in place of one of them. But I thought it was right and reasonable. Even though I really hated Rosé's performance look, it still was the right choice in my mind. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Rosé Rose nailed what she needed to nail in the, in the rusical and her outfit on the runway was so much fun. And it was certainly one of those times that, you know, she wanted the big, she wanted the big singing and dancing role. She got the big singing and dancing role. She made of it everything that she had to in order to not just, okay, she did what she needed to do, but I agree. She nailed it. Yeah, she nailed it. And she does this. And she, she, this was what, she came here to do, and she did it. Yeah, it could have so easily been a pride cometh before the fall thing, but nope, it was a confidence that I can nail it, and I did yeah. sort of moment. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of rare that the person who's like most suited to the challenge and makes a big deal about that actually ends up succeeding. Normally it's like the big, it's the gag of like the, non-singer wins it and the singer stumbles and and both for both denali and rose to be like this is my challenge and i want it and they both did really well is somewhat rare <laughs> yeah so then we go to the bottoms we have tina burner simone and candy were was this the correct bottom three to you Persla? um it's i i definitely candy and simone uh i agree that they were too harsh on on Tina for that last bit. I'm trying to think who I would sub her out for, and I'm having trouble, because I think U- Utica did, of the three safe queens, Utica did fine to well. Elliot did really well in her challenge, and I her, I liked her look. Um, it was fine. It was it was fine. Yeah, no, it was well done. And I, I, li- I liked her taxi look better than Tina's, honestly. Me too. Yeah, and then who was the third safe person? Um, Olivia. Olivia. And Olivia... What did fine in the performance and looked gorgeous on the run. So it's one of those. I softly agree with Tina in the bottom three for want of anyone else. I think they oversold why she was in the bottom three. It, I'll say that um, in both the challenge they and the oversold. runway. Like for me, it was like these are clearly our bottom two. You're gonna have. I honestly was sure they'd pick Elliot just to fuck with Elliot more. For Tina, for me, it was like I get that you need to put a third in here. Like, you obviously need to when there's a clear bottom, too. But, Tina, like, you guys are really making a mountain out of a molehill. And, like, you're not selling it at all. I don't, like, I don't believe you. It felt insane watching the episode yeah, for and, me. And I will say, even at this point where we have a lot of queens left, um, there were still, even between both the performance and the runway, there were, there wasn't a lot of bad, bad here. I don't think I there agree. wasn't a bad runway I agree. look. Like, for a runway this size to not have one misfire is fairly impressive. But I will say, I was sure there's no way they'd put Simone and Candy in the bottom two to lip sync against each other. So I was like, oh, they're going to like really exaggerate to send Elliot home. And then when they were doing it with Tina, I was like, are they actually going to put Tina in the bottom two for what was indisputably at least a good performance? Um, so I was shocked to see Simone and Candy actually have to lip sync i just thought they were gonna have to do a lot of gymnastics unconvincingly in order to justify not having that be the bottom two yeah they were they were very much the bottom two i agree that somebody somebody had to be the other one in the bottom three and i guess the spinner landed on tina the death scene wasn't great and i guess the that the bad last impression left but I'm not mad about the choice of Tina being the other bottom three, but if that lip sync had been anyone other than Candy and Simone, I would have been... Oh, I would have ridden my senator. Confused and angry. Yeah, I would have ridden my congressman. Like, I would be that angry. That's very funny. 
Yeah, so the lip sync was Boss by Fifth Harmony. I think they both did an amazing... Simone, unsurprisingly, did an amazing job with it. Um, I will say it is... This is a song I think both of them would be good at. Like, it's not... It, this wasn't like, you know... Uh, what, what was it? Uh, Latrice versus Kenya to uh, Natural Woman, where you feel, hmm, there's a... <laughs> this, this favors one of the performers. Simone did a great job. I think Candy did a really good job. I think she was getting a little lost in the dress... She was. She was. Candy was okay. Like, I don't think she did badly, but I think that Simone very much outshone her. And I mean, it started from the beginning. Like, at the beginning, I know Candy started at the back of the stage. Simone started at the front of the stage. And Simone got that chance to grab you and not let go. Like, I was trying to pay attention to Candy just to see what she was doing, and still, my eye, my attention, my mind, my everything kept getting pulled towards Simone. Simone slayed it, and Candy was out of her depth. I And I think the dress really did work against her a lot. Candy's generally a good lip singer. Um, You could tell she was nervous. Yeah. For me, I have to say, like, it just shocked me that it even got to the point where they were really going to put these two against each other. And I was like, what song are they going to pick in order to justify a double save? Because these two are so central to the produced storyline that we're experiencing right now that I was like, there's no way one of these girls is going home this week. So what's going to happen? I'm going to say I actually really liked that rather than, like, try to pretend it was, like, a Tatiana Alyssa Edwards moment... They gave, correctly gave the win to Simone, and then it was, if they're like, we need the talking head of Candy, which I'm just going to say right now, we don't. I like her. She can go home. Producers really think a loudmouth is like what the fans want when it really isn't. Um, I was glad that they just made it a, we're not ready to see you leave, as opposed to like pretending it was a double win. Yeah, I would say the the lip sync was good. It was really fun to watch, and you could. T- I I always look at the queens at the at the back wall to get a sense of how did this play in the room because they do respond uh, to the quality of the lip sync. Yes, and they were they were living their lives. Um, I. Yeah, I, I, I like the way you said that. It was good that they didn't package it as both of your lip syncs justified you staying. This was just, uh, like, I, I've been I've been uh, listening to a book on tape about Greek mythology because I ran out of other podcasts to listen to finally. I finally got through the backlog. So this feels very Same. like Zeus descending from the heavens to do something capricious because Zeus gonna Zeus. And, and yeah. so, so Rue decided to do this and it's like, like, I actually can live with that. Now that you phrased it that way, I'm actually a lot happier with this outcome. Cause I'm like, I'm not being lied to that. This was a double save lip sync. This is just Rue. Rue is shangeling candy a little and that's fine. Yeah. That's Rue's prerogative. Yeah. It, it plays, it actually plays oddly enough and surprisingly enough, it plays into the illusion of a meritocracy on this yeah. show <laughs> to have it be. We know she did bad, but we we like her and we're giving her a second chance. I, I will say, as opposed to falsifying a win. Right. I will say, when she was walking up the runway to leave, after giving what I thought was at, was a very heartfelt and moving goodbye, I sat there thinking, huh, I remember last week when Candy was like, I thought I'd be happy to see Tamisha go home, but I'm not. And I'm sitting here being like, oh, now I'm Candy because I thought I'd be happy to see Candy go home and I'm not. Like, or I'm a little sad about it. I, was, I, w- I would have been fine with her going home, I think. I agree. We don't need her as a talking head and she'll have a great career. She will capitalize on this turn on Drag Race beautifully. Yes. We really don't need to silky nutmeg ganache any of these louder girls. Yeah. We so really I was, I was, but I was, I was surprised by how sad I was when I thought she was actually going home. I'm like, huh, uh, much like Candy herself, I would not have thought I would feel this way at this point. I was actually annoyed. I, I bet you like, were. You seem real annoyed with Candy this whole episode. I bet you were fucking annoyed. Oh, <laughs> Did I you hear me annoyed. defend her once on this podcast <laughs> and what you responded no. with? Have you heard? Like, you don't like Candy. You've made that clear. The subtext is text is clear well, yeah I don't, I don't the thing is i don't dis i don't dislike candy look inward mama i just really i just really didn't like anything that she did in this episode and she's had just there have been some really good moments some really hilarious moments but these are not the first times that i thought what she did 
fell short. I mean, I think it was the last time I was on the show earlier this season was her other just really sloppy runway look. Oh, yeah, the trains. The trains look, yeah. Yeah, the trains. The trains. And I was just like, okay, Candy's been around, like, she, I, I feel like it's a thing is she's not a bad queen, but there are some queens on this season. Yeah. It very much felt like her time after a, after a performance like this week. Her, her rusical was a train wreck. Nothing about the runway landed, and it felt like time. And so for Rue to turn around and say, "I'm not ready to see you go yet," it's just, it was. It was annoying and perplexing, and she better work it next week. That's all I have to say. It's not perplexing because it's clear the way that they write these narratives. And there was no, like, for me, when that lip sync started, I was like, neither of these girls are going home this week. It doesn't play with, like, the amount of screen time they've got. I mean, I knew Simone wasn't going home. I, I thought it was possible Candy would go home. Oh, I, I when it started, I was like, what are they going to do? I can't imagine that these girls are going to give such an impressive lip sync like that they are going to pick just the right song that they're going to be able to bullshit us. Um, but I knew there was no way Candy was going home now. And I like her, but I did feel like it was time for her yeah. to go home. So um, That's me. So yeah. This is part of why I feel like um, it's not anything that's anti-Rue or Michelle, but I'm ready for like four of the best alumni to become a judging panel for the next iteration of this show. Because at this point, it's so refined to what Rue and his like small production team likes Mm -hmm. that I would literally just like to see exactly this show run by different people Mm -hmm. with different tastes who have the credentials like Trixie, Katia, Alaska and Bob as a four person panel or like swap out Alaska for Nicole Byer and like, really focus on more comedy like would be better yeah i'm just saying my question is is there going to be a double elimination or something because we've just finished episode eight and girls have only gone home on four of those eight episodes i think that the show is aware that the fans will watch more of it so they're just like i don't think we have an end date that's true i'm i'm honestly not mad about it yeah i'm really not um, I'm fine watching this week to week. They can add three extra, four extra weeks of no one going home. I'm guessing there will be a double elimination at some point. If but bring us a box of Shangela one week, you know, it might just it, for good measure. I could see it being like top six to top four, in like a sudden, what happened? We're already in the finale now. Like, yeah, floor drops out from under us. Moment. I'm actually. It's funny you meant. And I hadn't thought about this yet, but like we. Uh, over the history of the show, they did the finale on the main stage for the first three seasons and then moved to the, like, you know, the Orpheum, Auditor- uh, the live show or li- live air with air quotes show until pandemic and pandemic was clearly like a ad hoc. We're just going to do it over Zoom. So they pl- I wonder what they have planned for this finale done during pandemic. I bet it's going. Oh, do you think? Okay. I bet it's going to be a lot more like All Stars. Yeah, yeah. Um, whatever it is, I don't think it's going to be like them doing a lip sync for your life over Zoom against each oh, other. No, me neither. Um, and if it is, I, like, I just the producers should know that's not what I want to see. Well, it's funny because like they used to like you know the, the show would wrap up, they'd send the queens home, come back for the finale. Is it possible they've already filmed... Like, I assume they've just filmed the finale. They might have already just filmed the finale. Yeah. They might have filmed multiple girls actually winning in studio and done the full finale while they filmed this. Yeah. And they're going to decide who actually wins, like, when they yeah. air it. Uh, speaking of things uh, related, uh, uh, modifications for the pandemic, did you see they're doing, like, that special next week about all of their backstage stuff they've done for COVID? Oh right, you don't watch no. it. You don't watch it on TV. You watch it on Amazon the next day. So yeah, next week before the episode, they're doing an hour special about all the behind the scenes work they've done to stay safe in the pandemic. And I've uh. heard nothing but amazing things about their back. Like all the guests, all the queens have been like, it was a like a Swiss watch operation and very safe and all of that. 
I don't think I have it in me to watch a Drag Race COVID special. I'll watch it. Yeah, I'll watch there's it. no way I'm watching that. I'll watch it after I get my second vaccine. Like, <laughs> There's no way I'm watching that, but cool. Uh, have you gotten your first vaccine? Nope, which is why it's going to be a while okay. before I watch it. <laughs> okay. I mean, I am... I. I am 400 years old, so I am in a priority group, but... Um... That's very funny. All right. Well, I think that's it for this week's episode, unless either of you have anything else you'd like to add. Nope. Nope. Oblivia, thank you so much for joining us. You are a pleasure as always. Thank you so much for having me again. This was a lot of fun. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. I've been Condé Naste. I'm Ursula the Sea Bitch. Bye! Bye. So the next time Olivia's back is after Candy really goes home, right? <laughs>